listening. I invite you to check out my website, karagoodwin.com. I'm adding more resources all the time to assist you in your meditation journey. Sign up right on the homepage to receive a free 10-minute guided meditation that will fill you with light and peace and give your nervous system a reset. You can also find powerful offerings to help you start or amplify your existing meditation practice, including the Meditation Immersion Program to get a solid foundation to your meditation and the Healing Hearth ongoing program for regular online meditations and guidance. Thank you so much for your support and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. Stay up to date with the latest releases of the Meditation Conversation by following me on Instagram at Kara underscore Goodwin underscore Meditation. Today, I'm so excited to have Teresa Bruni joining. Teresa is genuinely passionate about healing And she's a spiritual warrior who assists individuals in breaking through obstacles that prevent them from living life to the fullest. She believes that everyone deserves healing on the physical, emotional, and spiritual levels, resulting in an abundant and fulfilled life. She is a healer and founder of Less Fear, More Flow, which is an alternative mind-body-spirit healing practice. And she hosts live interviews on LinkedIn, of which I was honored to participate recently. So welcome, Teresa. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you, Kara. It's an honor to be here. So let's start by talking about how you got on the path of alternative health. Well, that happened with my own health crisis. um, And I have been fully recovered for over 20 years now. Um, Making a long story short, uh, the doctors couldn't get me well. And having never been seriously ill before, I willingly turned my health over to medical science, expecting that they would get me well. And uh, seven years into that journey, I had an epiphany and um, I realized that I, if I wanted to get well, I was going to have to take a different path. And so I did. So my healing journey took another three years. And um, and again, I've been recovered since um, since 1999. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, so there was a turning point. Seven, was it, did you say seven years in? Yeah. Where you were like, okay, all of this mainstream, like white lab coat stuff is not helping. Um, so let's talk about what ignited that? Like, where did that switch come in for you? Like, what was your, if we want to call it like an awakening kind of, you know, it's a type of awakening um, that you went through. So what was the impetus for that? Um, I can tell you the exact day that it happened. Oh, wow. um, uh, The doctors had me on a pharmaceutical cocktail and to manage my symptoms. So I was taking um, activating antidepressants in the morning to give me energy, sedating antidepressants at night to help me sleep. Oh, my goodness. I I was taking pain medications and other medications. And that pharmaceutical cocktail uh, caused changes in my personality and obviously in my brain chemistry, because that's what they're designed to do. And um, one day... Uh, my boyfriend and I were having an argument 
and which we we hardly ever argued. And the next thing I knew, I was on the floor in tears. And he said to me, you need to get off those drugs. They're changing your personality. Oh, that wow. was my wake up call. That is very insightful. Yeah, that was my wake up call. Yeah, because a lot of times we we don't necessarily connect, you know, like, oh, it's the the pharmaceuticals that are happening or so then what were your like, what were your pathways into alternative healing? Well, you know, uh, back then, because we're talking about the mid 90s, there was no Internet. And uh, but I was still an avid researcher. So I would go to the local Barnes and Noble and uh, grab books off the shelf. You could sit in the coffee shop and read for free. Uh, And I just started researching and I, I found some answers through books. But what I realized on my journey is intuitively I knew what I needed to do. And I started to follow that internal guidance. So for a a great example is one day while I was brushing my teeth, I looked in the mirror and I realized that I really didn't recognize myself. And so I decided to hop up on the bathroom counter and look deep into my own eyes and have a conversation with myself. And that was a very emotional, um, emotionally painful experience. And I knew that there were, there was some deep stuff that I needed to face. Wow. And so now, you know, you can go on the internet and you can buy a course in mirror work. So oh, really, it's <laughs> yeah. a thing. Mirror work is a thing. I thought I invented it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've done that too. Even recently where I've just like really sort of studied my own eyes in the mirror. Um, so, yeah, and it was completely organic. It was just yeah. similar thing, like brushing the teeth or whatever, like I'm just washing my hands or something. And then it's like really kind of connecting with the eyes kind of thing. Yeah. And looking deep into your own soul. And yeah. what was especially uh, difficult for me to do is to tell myself, I love you. You matter. You're worthy. Wow. So that's, you know, that's one example of what I discovered just by turning within. Wow. And I, I did uh, clean my system out of all the drugs. And this is why it's important to have others who we can trust because uh, the changes often happen so slowly that we don't notice what's happening to us. You know, it's kind of like having a child and the child grows a little bit every day. You don't really notice. But then your friend comes over and says, my gosh, she's gotten really big. Yeah. Because they can see the contrast. They can see the difference. And that's that's what an outside view can can help you with. Yeah. Wow. So did in that respect, did you start working with a mentor at some point or or who, who was your reflection in that I way? I basically just turned inward and started developing my own techniques for healing. I developed uh, lots of meditations mm-hmm. and different visualizations. Um, I, I 
took a well-rounded approach, which is important for anyone who is struggling with their health because it takes a well-rounded approach to get well. So I looked at nutrition. I, you know, I looked at my diet. I gave up, I gave up caffeine. I gave up sugar. I gave up alcohol. I, you know, I, I gave up uh, wheat. Um, I was really willing to do anything and everything to get well. I knew that I didn't want to live the rest of my life that way. Mm-hmm. And clearly medical science didn't have answers for me. Um, they did help in some ways. Uh, they did develop a physical therapy program that I enrolled in. And so that that helped. So I, I looked at my exercise as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I was so diligent that um, I overdid it. And I then caused an, an um, overuse injury to my knees because I was... <laughs> <laughs> you were just very so gung ho. Yes, I was very anxious to get well. Um, yeah. But but most of the spiritual stuff that I did, those answers came from within me, and I mm-hmm. just started listening and giving my body what it needed. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, when I look back, I had a lot of emotional baggage that needed to be unpacked. Right. Yeah. Okay. So from the time that you took charge of your health and you started making those changes, you know, foregoing the pharmaceuticals and so forth, um, how, what was the journey like? Like, what were the changes like for you when you started taking that different approach? What kind of, like, what kind of progress did you make? And, and how long would you say it was by the time you felt really whole again? So uh, one of the main uh, factors to that process was coming off of the pharmaceuticals, because at that point, I couldn't tell what were the side effects of the drugs and what were the symptoms of my illness. So um, weaning myself off of the pharmaceuticals gave me the ability to assess where I really was in terms of my condition. Um, that process took a full three years because I didn't have anyone leading me. I was doing this all on my own. I was doing all this discovery work on my own. And did you taper yourself off or did you go cold turkey or? You have to, if if you're on um, uh, brain altering drugs, you know, antidepressants, uh, things like that, mood stabilizers, it's really important to wean yourself off. I thought so. Yeah. yeah, And that holds true for other drugs as well. Um, An abrupt stop usually is not a good thing. So again, I'm an avid researcher. Mm -hmm. And so I did my research in bookstores and libraries. Mm -hmm. And I took um, a safe and appropriate approach. Now, that said, I am not anti-pharmaceuticals. Sometimes we need drugs and Mm -hmm. drugs save lives every day. Uh, And sometimes when we become depressed, our serotonin levels can fall to such a point where uh, we can't 
get ourselves up and going again without a little bit of help from mm -hmm. a pharmaceutical. Um, the key is they're not intended for long-term use. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I, as an example, I was working with a client yesterday who has arthritis and her arthritis was kicking up and it was painful. And um, I know all too well how debilitating chronic pain can be. And so um, she, she tries to avoid the pharmaceuticals, which I respect. Mm -hmm. But I also told her it's okay if you need to take that pill just to level the playing field so that you can focus and concentrate and get into doing the deeper work, that's okay. Yeah, right. So so then now we're about 10 years in. So you've yeah. had seven years with the, the white lab coat approach and then three years with your own research and diligence and, and having a more of an approach that's more based on nutrition and lifestyle. Um, and it can be really fun to kind of reflect on, you know, where that journey, where we've been, where we are now. You started to talk about how you um, started, you know, you were in this IT career and you had like a very corporate life. And once you had your healing journey, you knew that you wanted to help people, but you weren't sure how. So let's pick up with that. Like, how did the corporate work help you in getting to where you are now and, and understanding how to best help people? Um, throughout my corporate career, part of my job was teaching the staff. You know, I was, I was a mainframe administrator. So part of my job was to teach the staff how to get the information in and other employees how to get the information out that they needed to do their jobs. So I was constantly teaching and that was always my true passion. That was the best part of my job. It wasn't managing that big hulk of a computer. It was the interaction with the people that really spurred me. So um, when I was a little girl, uh, when I was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said, I want to be a teacher. And lo oh. and behold, yeah, lo and behold, I became a teacher. So uh, when I stepped into this role at helping people heal, um, my teaching skills really come in handy. So you went back into training and administration for a while? Yes. Okay. And then at what point did you begin to focus your your career more toward healing, the healing arts? So I was back to work probably about um, seven years, eight years, maybe a little bit longer. And I'm the type of person who needs to find joy in the work that they do. So I was always anxious to get to work. And suddenly that started to fade away. Mm. And I knew it was time to make a change. I knew I wanted to get out of technology and make some sort of a change, but I didn't know what to do. So I tried a couple of things and I call that period in my life uh, being put in the universal dryer, the universe putting me in a tumbler like a dryer and just tumbling me around because it was a pretty rough ride. And at the end of that rough ride, um, I ended up in a, in a coaching institute, a life coaching institute. 
I had no plans of becoming a life coach. Uh, when I read their curriculum and I spoke with them, they guaranteed me that if I, if I signed up for the program, my life would change. And that's what I was looking for. Um, so it was during the very first program, it just washed over me. And I was like, this is it. This is why I'm here. I'm sure that felt nice to feel that click in after being in, like feeling like you're being tossed around for so long. Yeah. The, the, you know, the forces at hand, uh, God, the universe, whatever you choose to call that force that drives us, uh, was not going to let up on me until I opened my eyes and realized that it was time to step into my power and my passion. Right. Wow. That's beautiful. So what do you see as being the number one thing that's holding people back on their healing journeys? Uh, um, the number one thing would be the failure to recognize that their body is not betraying them, but instead is sending them signals that, that, that there is something spiritual that they need to pay attention to. Mm. So in my case, I had years of unresolved childhood trauma that finally surfaced and caused me to become chronically ill. And it wasn't until I mentioned earlier, it wasn't until I opened that trunk and started unpacking that baggage. That's amazing. I mean, I I have seen this in my own like visions of, of like how, like, you know, when I get these little peaks behind the veil and it's this, this thing that, that traumas, whether they're physical, emotional, mental, whatever it is, they need to be seen. It's so they, they can't process and release until they're seen. And and I, I don't know why that is, I, but it's like, we do, we don't want to look at it. We do, we think that we're, you know, and there's a self-protection mechanism that, that comes in so that, you know, because we're not so often when we're undergoing trauma, it's too much for us. So we have coping mechanisms and we don't process everything so that we can survive, you know, right. in some cases, but I've seen this that even, you know, lifetimes that, you know, we are these multidimensional stacks of, of experiences that, you know, run diff through different lifetimes as well. And if even in previous lifetimes there, we are still holding that within our bodies. Um, and if we can see that it needs to be seen processed and released. And th that those three that came very strongly, um, not very long ago, where it was like, oh, and then once it is, it's like, once it's seen, it can be like, you know, and even from like a dense, like packed energy, like storage of, okay, this is where this is landing in the body. It's just stuck there, you know, but like once it is seen, then it can kind of start to open up and, and, uh, breathe and then ultimately be processed and released and not, not affect us anymore. And it works through all those layers, physical, emotional, mental, and of course, spiritual too. So, and you are dead on 
because no one teaches us how to process. Most of us are taught to stuff it. Mm -hmm. Big girls don't cry, especially big boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. Um, Get over it. You know, all these messages that we get, we're never taught how to process our emotions. And many of us who were traumatized as children, we don't even realize that there was another way. Right. And and what I discovered for me as a spiritual being, um, when this is how it happened for me, and I think it happens for most people. So when you are living in an abusive household and you're a toddler and you're wanting that love from the adults in the household, but you're not getting it you think, well, there must be something wrong with me. And so you start to turn off that inner guidance system because it can't possibly be right if you're going to survive. And so you spend a lifetime turning off all those internal messages and ignoring them. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you can get to a place where you can recognize them and like you said, you know, release them, that they kind of get balled up in the body. Um, uh, It reminds me of a book that I read. Uh, It's called The Body Keeps the Score, and it's all about trauma, you know, childhood trauma, adult trauma, military trauma, Mm -hmm. and the body keeps the score. So you can darn well bet that your body's going to keep the score. Um, Many of us take our bodies for, for granted, we, we take, you know, we try to take good care of ourselves, but we don't really appreciate the intelligence that our body has. And right. that's where we miss the mark. Yes. So, um, so one of the modalities that I use in my practice is, is called Psyche. And the philosophy in Psyche is the symptoms are the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. So the minute you start throwing uh, pharmaceuticals at the messages, you're, you're, we can no longer work with those messages. Yep. It's so, so true. And on so many levels, I mean, that works on so many levels too, because one of the things that I really appreciate about meditation is that ability for us to um, tap into the subtle senses, you know, the subtle feelings within us, because we do, we're, we just, whether it's that we're moving so quickly through our lives that we miss so much communication that's happening because it is subtle. It's not like a brick hitting us against the the head, you know, it's like, no, it's these, these little twinges or these little like persistent things. But as we tune into them, they amplify and we can start to like, oh, I, I'm not sure I would have ever noticed that in my you know, lower right quadrant of my stomach that there was some sensation there, um, you know, as an example. Right. And it's like, oh, well, what is this? You know, what is that trying to tell me? What needs to be released there? What is this information that's there? Um, so often we, we have sensations within the body that aren't necessarily pain, but because it's signaling something to us, we interpret it as pain. Right. And then we grab, you know, we want to cover it up. Give me the Tylenol, give me the Advil, get, you know, whatever. 
but you know, we grab the pain reliever and we, um, we cover it up. Okay. Well, I don't want to, don't want to hear it, you know? And, and it's like, if we actually do take the time, this is what I find fascinating is like, okay, you have a headache or something and it's, it's like, okay, you immediately, I mean, I feel it within myself if I get a headache where it's like, oh, geez, you know, I don't want it to get worse. I don't want to feel it. I want to ignore it. But if I actually kind of bring, draw all my attention to it, then it, I start to notice one that it's not necessarily pain. It doesn't necessarily actually hurt. It just is a feeling. And so then when you get curious about it, it's like, well, is it actually pain? Or is it a feeling? And is it that we just don't want to get these messages? You know, we don't understand. We're not seeing it for the the message and the gift, like you're saying that it can be. Um, But the other really interesting thing that happens so often is that it disappears. It's like when you look right at it, when you bring all of your awareness to it, so often it dissipates. And you may need to do that. It may not dissipate for the rest of the day, but it may, again, it wants to be seen. Okay. Right. You have all my attention. I see you, you know, and, and we may not know what's behind it. You know, I, it's not like every time I do this that I'm like, oh, that's from when I was seven right. and, you know, <laughs> this happened. Mostly it's just like, oh, it's a sensation. Here it is. It wants to be seen here. You have my attention and and then it's and then I can't find it anymore, you know, um, because sometimes we don't need the story. You know, it, it's sometimes it is just an energetic thing that needs to come in that that needs to be processed. But we don't necessarily benefit from going back into the, the mental state of it, of like bringing in the mental body of, OK, here's where that is and, you know, what that comes from and, and all of that. But. Yes, I agree. And that, and that's another area where n- no one teaches us how to listen to our bodies. Mm-hmm. And um, especially, again, I'll, I'm going to go to chronic pain. Anyone who has experienced chronic pain knows how debilitating it is. And we usually push it away. Mm-hmm. But when you embrace it, when you sit with it and you embrace it and you tap into your body, it, it burns out like a candle. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is. It is. And the body is just so intelligent. I completely agree. It is so intelligent and, 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 and it's counterintuitive. You know, we, we do feel like if we I think it's if we dwell on it, you know, we feel like if we dwell on it, then it's going to amplify, it's going to get worse. And, you know, it just doesn't always work like that. You know, it's, it can, I love that analogy of like a candle being snuffed out. Yes. If you tap into it and you, and you recognize it Mm -hmm. and just allow it to, to burn out, oftentimes it will. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you help people identify the blocks that are keeping them stuck? Because I bet that's like a really challenging part of of the process is just even that identification, especially when we are so removed from ourselves, you know? One of the first ways that I would 
um, advise people to, to see if they have some blocks is just take a good look at your life. And are you happy in all of the areas of your life? Are you happy at work? Are you happy at home? Are you in healthy relationships? What do your finances look like? Are you uh, content with your level of spirituality? And that's where you start. Just take a good look at your, at your life overall and see what areas aren't working for you. Because um, in, in life coaching, we call that the, the wheel of life. And it looks kind of like a wagon wheel with spokes. Mm-hmm. And if one of those spokes is broken, you're going to have a really rough ride. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have two or three spokes broken. Only one spoke will give you a rough ride. And then that will tend to transition through the other areas of your life and eventually begin to break down your health. Mm. Um, So that's one way. When someone comes to me, uh, I'm a highly intuitive listener. So I listen to both what they tell me and what they're not telling me. Mm. And and I have to... um, I really have to be grateful for my gift of intuition. And I'm also a highly sensitive person, which I didn't know for many, many years. Um, uh, so that's what, what helps me to help my clients. And then we start to, to look around. Uh, let's say it is a physical condition uh, mm-hmm. that we're working with. Again, the body is super intelligent and it's also quite literal. So if it's a problem with your hands, it probably has to do with the way you're handling things in your life, Mm -hmm. problems with your eyes, you're not seeing things clearly. Oh, interesting. Knees are about pride and ego. Uh, Hips are, hips allow us to move forward in our life. So without your hips, you wouldn't be able to move forward. Um, so, so the body is very, very symbolic joints are about flexibility. Pain is often about guilt. So I have some wonderful diagnostic books here that I use and that helps us to break it down. How interesting. I love that the body is symbolic, you know, very symbolic. Very so symbolic if, if you're, so I was talking to a friend years ago and, and uh, I could tell he was out in public and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm buying uh, antacids. And I said, oh, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, you know, I had him watch. I said, I, I want you to keep an eye on when this heartburn kicks up. And so he did, he started to pay attention and he and he and his wife were um, scheduled to go out to dinner with some friends. And when he was getting ready to, to go to that dinner, boy, that heartburn just flared up and he realized that he didn't really care for those people. So it was causing him a lot of, you know, it was something that quote unquote, he couldn't stomach, but he oh. was, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I've never heard that before, or I don't remember anyway, if I have, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, so you also help people who run heart centered businesses. So what assistance do you offer that type of group? So most heart centered entrepreneurs 
feel as though um, if they don't give their services away for free, it's not authentic. They're, they're not being, you know, they're not honoring the soul of the other person. And let's face it, we all need to make a living. Uh, they are often um, overcome by, by overwhelm. Uh, they suffer from shiny object syndrome. So they enroll in courses, but fail to complete them. Um, and they often uh, have self-esteem issues that more than likely came from past lives where they might've been, you know, a healer in a past life and they were persecuted for their gifts. So they come into this life with these healing gifts. And uh, even though it's safer, you, I mean, I could tell you right now, I, I'm a witch and no, no one's going to burn me at the stake, right? I'm not one, by the way, but I'm just saying <laughs> I could go out in public and, and say, right. you know, I'm a witch. No, no one's going to burn me at the stake. Right. However, if I experience that in a past life, I bring that forward into this life and it, it causes this great fear of speaking mm -hmm. my truth. And that's something that I had to go through as a heart centered entrepreneur. One of the spiritual teachers that I listen to on a regular basis says that um, uh, healers in this lifetime have the lowest self-esteem of anyone else on the planet because of everything we've been through in our past lives. We're so afraid to speak mm -hmm. our truth. We practice oh. in the closet. So, um, so I offer heart-centered entrepreneurs the ability to step out of the healer's closet and really step into your power. Mm, so interesting. I think too, that for people who are seeking out those types of services, there needs to be an opportunity for personal investment. So mm -hmm. they have to have some skin in the game too. Absolutely. Because when things are offered for free or for dirt cheap, there is this psychological perceived value that that there isn't value. Exactly. And I mean, this somebody made the point to me, you know, a little while ago about the iPhone. You know, what is the cost of the creation of an iPhone? It is not hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Like that is a perceived value right. that we place on it and we cherish it because it is. I mean, we cherish it for a lot of reasons, but one of which being, you know, it's not $5, right. it's not, you know, it's, it's, we invest in it in to a certain extent, you know, and why should something so dear to us, such as like coming into wholeness, coming into our, um, you know, the, the coming into healing, coming into, uh, higher, you know, connection with a much deeper part of ourselves, which is going to give us more joy, you know, so much more purpose, where we actually have a greater understanding of why we're here rather than being in the cosmic tumbler, you know, of exactly. like, well, what's life throwing at me now, but rather like, oh, I'm here for a purpose. I understand what that is or I'm getting to where I understand what that is. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean I know what my vocation needs to be around this, but just like, I understand that I'm here 
for those who are around me, for my own development, for, you know, to overcome some of these challenges and blockages that I've carried with me through this whole life and beyond, you know. Um, so I think that that's an important thing that people also need to, you know, that I have had to understand within myself too of, of, of like, it's important for people to put skin in the game, in their spiritual growth, in their healing, so that they are also showing the universe, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, whatever we're focused on is what is going to be delivered to us. So, you know, you can, you know, focus your time and your attention and your money and so forth in many different ways. And that's going to help to create the reality that you experience. If you want to support your healing and your, you know, then you have the opportunity to support somebody who is bringing that into the world too. So. Absolutely. You have to have um, that buy-in and usually that, that requires money. Mm -hmm. um, I, I never like to turn people away. So if someone says I simply don't have it, um, I will often ask them, well, well, how might they be of service and pay it forward? And, but they have to make that commitment. Otherwise there's no buy-in. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, it, it's really important for heart-centered entrepreneurs to know that the work that they're doing is of value. And oftentimes with social media, it's hard to hide anything. So I've had instances where a prospective client will tell me, oh, I can't afford that, you know, because if you're chronically ill, I ask clients to make uh, a minimum of a six-month verbal commitment to the program. You didn't get sick overnight. Chances are you're not going to get well overnight. Again, my healing took three full years. Uh, but of course, I didn't have a guide. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll, you know, they'll say, oh, I, I can't afford that. And uh, and then I'll see on social media that they they flew off to Sweden or, you know, they bought a big screen TV. So it's about your values. Yeah. And what's important to you. And if you exactly. want to continue to try to sedate your illness with uh, vacations and television and fine wines, then you're just not ready to heal. Uh, exactly. Exactly. It is. What, what are you, what are you willing to work on? What are, where do you want to focus? And when the time comes that you're ready to focus, then, then that's when it will be the right time. You know, it's not about yeah. like judgment or anything, but it's no. just, you, you have the opportunity to invest in you in different ways. And, and what is your priority? You know, yeah. I, I agree. There is no judgment when you're ready, you're ready. Hey, look, you know, I got stuck in the system for seven years and, and you know, the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. So we're all on, on our own journey and we're all working things out at our own pace. And mm -hmm. so, so you're right. There is no judgment. But when you're ready, you will find 
the money. You will find a way to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And it's always a good idea to look at return on investment. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I'm developing a program right now for imposter syndrome because Mm -hmm. so many people have that. And so what's the return on investment? You know, how much more money will you be able to make if you can conquer your imposter syndrome? Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, tell us how people can find out more about you and the programs that you're offering. Yeah. So the easiest way to find me is at my website, TeresaBruni.com. And uh, there is an abundance, maybe even an overabundance of information on my website. Lots and lots of resources. There are, um, there's a free e-course decoding the messages from your body. 38 pages uh, that that can help you get started with recognizing the messages that your body is sending. Um, There's a recommended reading list um, and anyone who wants to contact me can go to the contact form and send me an email from there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all of the work that you're doing and the journey that you've had Um, it's really been a joy to connect with you again. I'm so happy that we connected and know that I honor and appreciate your work as well, because I know how valuable it is. Oh, thank you so much. Please share this episode. I appreciate your support, rating, reviewing, and sharing. So Thank you again for listening, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.